Hello everyone. Welcome to Math for Knitters. I'm your host, Laura, and I have a uh, pretty simple show for you today. This is episode number 36. Um, and at the end, I'm going to rerun episode 27, which is kind of along the same lines. Um, this time of year, for some reason, I get a real hankering to make a sweater, which is funny because it's right as it's starting to warm up. Um, I guess I don't get as much of an urge in the fall, partly because I'm heading into knitting Christmas season and I have to think about a ton of projects and r rather than one sweater for myself um, or for anyone else. Um, but it's almost, <laughs> I don't know, it's almost perverse. It's like I'm, it's starting to warm up, but I don't, I still don't believe it. Like people in this part of the world, it's finally getting warmer. Um, almost all the snow is melted. Although I said that um, three weeks ago and then there was a big fat blizzard and then there was another big fat blizzard or it was supposed to be a really big fat blizzard. Instead, it was just a little blizzard, but it was still inconvenient. So anyway, there's still snow um, in places that are in the shade, like my back porch. But other than that, it's sunny birds are singing there are tons of robins in the backyard it's it's really very nice out and everyone else is saying oh it's so nice out isn't it nice out and I'm like yeah whatever <laughs> I'm just waiting for the other shoe to drop and to uh, see more snow <laughs> although that said my sister who lives in um, a much warmer climate uh, called me a pervert <laughs> yesterday because she uh, complained that I'm always moving to places that have horrible hard winters and she doesn't understand why I would live in these places but um, say la vie I uh, I understand why I, I like the people who live here so I like to live here um, but <laughs> I thought that was quite an interesting little outburst from her but anyway um, in the rerun episode and in this episode, I'm going to talk about taking notes. I take messy but very detailed notes when I make a sweater. Really, I try to make notes of everything, but the sweaters are the larger projects and at least for the last two years, I've mostly been making mine from scratch. And so I keep really good notes and I do that for some a couple of reasons. One reason is if something goes wrong, I want to be able to go back and trace what went wrong. Um, so far, my current sweater has one uh, very interesting uh, design detail, which is I made the area for the pickup stitches for the top of the sleeve half as wide as it should have been. Um, so far, it looks like it's going to work out anyway, but what happened was I miscalculated my row gauge. I thought it was 16 rows to an inch, which frankly defies reality. I mean, there's there's no way that it could have been that small. I mean, I'm working on number seven needles with basically a worsted weight yarn. I don't know what space-time continuum would have to warp for it to be that tiny. But for some reason, I counted it that way, and I decided it was that way. And basically what happened was I was looking at... Um, what I thought was a repeat, a full re full repeat of the pattern. And in fact, it was only half a repeat. So I was measuring what I thought was one of something and I was measuring only half of something, um, which shows why I always had trouble in school 
uh, when we showed wavelengths, trying to figure out where the wavelength begins and ends. Um, just a little tip, it's always uh, where it looks identical the second time. <laughs> so if you're measuring your wavelength from the top of uh, one waveform, you should measure to the top of your next waveform, not to where it's the smallest. Um, that got me into trouble a couple of times. I don't know why I have so many issues with that. I just, my brain has a hard time breaking things up into patterns, I guess. I don't know why. Which is funny, considering that I'm a knitter, and you'd think I'd be good at that, but I'm obviously not. <laughs> I'm obviously not good at that. So, um, there's something else I need to pay very close attention to. And actually, it turns out that it doesn't seem to matter much. I made my sleeves, and I, in fact, I've made both sleeves, and um, I'm starting on the body now. And actually, what I did first, I knit down to the where the separation for their um, underarms would be, and I made the sl first sleeve, and that amount took up exactly half of my yarn. And I've decided I'm going to probably do a hemmed finish for the sweater instead of ribbing or anything like that. And so I'll probably just choose some black yarn to finish the sweater with, um, which is good because it means I can use every last drop for the sweater itself. And by most people's calculations, um, the yoke of the sweater should be about a third of your knitting, the sleeves together equal about a third, and the rest of the body equals about a third. So by my calculations, one sleeve and the yoke is about half of the sweater. So hopefully I have enough eh, to finish what I want to do. Um, the fact that I have the sleeves and the body down to the sleeves from the neck to me is a good thing because now I can basically just make the sweater and when I run out I can pretend that I wanted it to be kind of short. We'll see. Um, it's the kind of sweater, it's a silk wool blend, I've talked about it before that I think could be could be worn any variety of ways and if it comes down to it maybe it's supposed to be a little bolero jacket we'll see although right now my remaining ball of yarn still looks quite huge so hopefully um, I have enough well you know it's an adventure I could figure out if I have enough I could very carefully weigh my gauge swatch um, very carefully on a digital scale hopefully although I don't have one if I had one I could and then I could measure its area very precisely. And then I could take those numbers and figure out how much weight of yarn I need for each um, area of measure, for instance, to the square centimeter. Since it's kind of a small swatch, so I'd probably do it that way. And I've already used, pulled out the first swatch I made, which was too tight um, to finish um, some of the sleeve. Oh no, it was actually for the yoke. Yeah, so I have a couple of ends to deal with at the end. And um, so otherwise, it's gorgeous. Um, it's a pattern. It's twisted stitches in a lattice. It's very simple, um, based on, on eight stitches repeating. And the one thing that I kind of struggled with, and you can tell, but I didn't actually plan. I just did it on the fly, is the decreases um, on the arms, on the, on the sleeves. Um, I just kind of let the pattern flow where it could flow and where it didn't. I let it basically become stuck in that stitch. 
and um, that worked out pretty well. It wasn't very sharply defined, so when I had enough stitches, um, the twisted lattice would just keep going. And sometimes it makes a smaller diamond than you see on the rest of the sweater. Sometimes it makes a larger one. Sometimes it kind of frizzles out into something that doesn't make very much sense. But it, it looks okay overall. I think I'm very pleased with how it looks. On the dragon sweater, since it was basically a vertical panel of stitches um, for each pattern, I decided against doing that. And I actually made it, if you look at the pictures of it, you'll see there's just a plain stockinette panel on the sides and under the arms, which is where all my shaping occurs. So instead, um, on this one, I, I did it a little differently, but I'm, I'm really pleased with how it came out. And um, yeah, so, so far it's working out despite my um, extremely insane uh, early row gauge designation. Just, you know, another word for everybody and for me is that if you measure something or calculate something and it just looks not right, um, just stop and do a quick reality check and think to yourself, could I even knit a sweater a 16 rows to an inch? Because <laughs> that doesn't sound right. Um, I should have said that earlier. Uh, instead, I said it after I picked up the stitches for the sleeve and I was like, this doesn't. Why do I have so few pickup stitches? I only had half as many pick up stitches as I should have and, and that could have been a clue and I could have stopped then and I could have uh, figured out what I'd done wrong and, and continue on but I didn't I soldiered on <laughs> but I think it's going to turn out all right um, I'm very pleased with it but basically um, it's very important to take notes partly because it saves you time also, also so for the first reason is if you make a mistake then you know where your mistake was Second reason is it saves you time in the, in the long run. Um, it can be a little annoying to stop and take notes, but for instance, all of the shaping on the sweater I'm doing now, I'm basing on the sweater I made last year that fits me so well, the dragon skin sweater. So everything, I don't have to stop and, and measure anything. I know the size, I know the sweater fits, I know how long the sleeves should be, I know how narrow I like the wrist, I know I know everything just from my notes from last year and for a couple of weeks I carried around both my new notebook which I just started and my old one so that I could refer to the old one and now I have all the information I need out of the old one into the new one and um, it's just saved so much time and you'll find this is true if you ever printed photographs I used to take notes of everything I did so that I could make another print later without starting all over again um, I take notes when I cook if I'm cooking something for the first time. Um, part of that is so that you can remember if you've changed a recipe to suit a member of your household who, for instance, isn't crazy about tomatoes, or your sister who's allergic to avocados, or peaches, or, you know, you change things, but you make a note so that next time you know to change it. Oh, my, my cat, one of my cats is crying, but I'm not going to let him in. <laughs> um, I got some notes on Ravelry. Um, thank you very much. Oh, yeah, he's coming in. Damn it. Sorry. I, I got some notes on Ravelry that everybody loved, or at least one person who bothered to write me loved, my purring co-host. And here he comes. Come on. Come on. He's so spoiled that if I don't pick him up and hold him, he will just stand there and cry. And in my mind, that's more annoying than having a podcaster who has a cat on her lap. So he's going to purr for you again, probably. Here he goes. Yes. 
always a good boy. Um, sorry, a little cat break. Um, so that those are two good reasons to take notes. And if you have any more, um, please either message me, email me, or leave me a note, a comment on the podcast website. That's math for knitters. That's the number four dot blogspot dot com. And um, I'd love to hear it. So uh, a couple of things I've recently kind of discovered. There's a podcast. It's a video podcast, and I don't actually l- watch these very much. I do most of my podcast listening in my car. I drive a lot for my job. Um, So obviously a video podcast is not the safest idea. But I do look at them occasionally, especially if I'm traveling by air. Um, I will sit and watch Adam Films, for instance, which are fantastic little pieces of filmmaking. Um, But this is actually a podcast called Knitting Step by Step. I think right now it has 16 episodes. it's had some technical difficulties, but it looks um, very competent. And the host has a lovely, sweet speaking voice. And um, yeah, overall, I think you, you could learn a lot from it if you're interested. So go check it out. Um, it's on iTunes. I don't know where else it is. You could Google it to find out. Um, and also, I recently found a magazine, an uh, online knitting magazine called Black Pearl Magazine. And I'll have a link to the show in the show notes. But it's black hyphen pearl, as in to pearl a stitch, hyphen magazine.com. And it's very interesting. Uh, welcome to Black Pearl. I'm looking at the website right now. They just had their spring issue uh, came out. Welcome to Black Pearl Magazine, the, only, the online magazine for needle crafters featuring ethnic inspires, inspired stitches and stories. So... It's it's quite interesting. It's not huge. It's not it's not uh, nitty by any means, but um, it has a lot of interesting patterns and articles. It has both crochet and knitting, and um, I'm not a crocheter, so that's a little bit out for me. But they also um, they have a link to submit, which is kind of nice. They have an editorial calendar for you, so if you're interested, um, I suggest you try it. I haven't tried it yet, um, but. It's just it's just nice to see a new member on the field. I'm sorry, I have cat hair in my mouth. Ah, oh, boomer. Whew, okay, sorry. I think I took care of that. Um, okay, that's my ramble for today, I think. Oh, they even have a print issue. They did one print issue. I'm curious. Huh. Well, anyway, I, I've been looking at it, and I, I really enjoyed it. It, is, it even has a blog, which I love. I love to read blogs. And it doesn't seem like it's been necessarily, the blog has been kept up that well. I think the last entry is from September of 07, so that's not great. But um, it's still really interesting. And um, I think it's definitely worth checking out. Um, so I hope, I hope you find it worth your time, too. And um, in just a few seconds here, you're going to hear um, episode 27. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Math for Knitters. I'm Laura. And this week is episode number 27. And I'm going to talk about um, another solution to the first scarf syndrome, a very romantic book, and keeping track of your shoulder shaping. Okay, let's get started. Okay, last week I gave you a solution 
to first scarf syndrome, which is what I call it when the new knitter unintentionally adds extra stitches by yarn overing at the front edge of his or her scarf. And what this does is it basically adds a, a row, um, I'm sorry, a stitch for every row that you knit, which is quite a rapid increase. And so it's actually one of the reasons, as, I, as I've said before, why I do not suggest scarves for first projects. But anyway, last week I gave you a solution which allowed you to have a scarf that was thinner on the ends than it was in the middle, which has some advantages. But a lot of people, I think, might find the aesthetic a little odd, and so it might be more attractive to have a scarf that is wider on the ends and thinner in the middle. And how you would do that is once you notice you have first scarf syndrome, you should decide how much farther you want to go with the widening. And if you do, then on the end of every row, make sure that you add a stitch, however you, you like, and then cast off. Go back to your cast on edge, pick up stitches, and then make a length of scarf that is all your cast on stitches size. So say you had 30 stitches to start and you increased to 45 stitches, bind off, go back to your cast on, pick up 30 stitches, and knit those 30 stitches for almost as long as you want the scarf to be. And then begin increasing again up to 45 stitches. Now, this is not going to be perfect because since you were doing it on accident the first time, the first time is not going to look the same as the second time. Also, you may slip up and add stitches when you're not trying to, end up with 32 or 35 or 36. And the only solution to that besides just tearing back is, well, tearing back. <laughs> or you can, of course, decrease those stitches just as soon as you find them. If you know that you're prone to this problem and have not mastered it yet, you should definitely stop and count your stitches often. I should say as often as you would save. And I'm sorry, that's my cat. Boomer, don't do that. He was leaping. He's a good leaper. Um, as often as you would save an important document you're working on on the computer. And we all know how often that is, <laughs> right? Um, for me, I would probably, if I were watching TV, I would probably stop and check at every commercial break if, until I knew I had the problem mastered. So that's, that's that. Um, the book this week is called Romantic Style. It's by Jenny Atkinson, or it was edited by Jenny Atkinson. Actually, I believe if you look, the patterns, I, I wonder if they all are by her, if they were by different people. Let me look. Yeah, they're from different people. Basically, it's a collation of different patterns from um, Rowan books, other Rowan styles. And it uses, um, of course, let me double check. <laughs> yes, it uses Rowan yarns, although, of course, they give you lots of good information about both the weight and the content of the yarn. So if you really need to, you can substitute. And I, I bought this book the second I looked at it because I just thought it was really neat. And 
there's a lot of variety of patterns and they they make sense the way that they're made and they're fun and they're not too fussy although some of them aren't quite to my taste but especially I love the beaded jacket um, it's really cute there's a little beaded shrug with it's made out of mohair there's a lace top and one one that's really adorable it's a it's actually a pattern basically done two ways there's a bed jacket and then a dressing gown and the dressing gown's description is this is the grown-up full-size version of the bed jacket on page 50 and is also knitted in the same kid classic yarn the paneled shape flares out at the base and will make you feel like a million dollars it would also cost a million dollars to make in this yarn and in my opinion it's far 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 too long i'm i'm five foot three and on this model who i'm sure is six feet tall this thing drags the ground it has a, t a trail on it and if you were train on it and actually there's a really cute picture quite early on in the book of this model in this dressing gown next to like an antique stove and it is it is darling it is is wonderful i'm sure it's gorgeous and dramatic but if I made it, I would make it just a teeny bit shorter because I know I would just trip on that thing the second I tried to go down the stairs. So even though even though the train is in the back, I would still trip on it. So knowing that I'm a klutz, I would not dare actually make it the way that it's designed. But um, this is also a book that has a, a small number of crochet patterns. So if you're a knitter who enjoys crochet or if you just want to try it out, there's a few, although it's not so many that you feel cheated. Um, Sometimes I pick up knitting books and the only patterns I like in it at all are the crochet and I'm ticked because I do not crochet and I cannot crochet and I've tried and I just can't do it. So um, most of the crochet shows up in the little extras pattern patterns. So there's a crochet necklace, a crochet choker, a crochet belt, a shawl, a motif bag, a button crochet belt, a crochet cap. And then under techniques, they talk about working crochet in rounds and your crochet mo motifs. Oh, also my sister who crochets would like to point out that my first scarf syndrome is virtually impossible to do in, in crochet. So it's a mistake that only pr knitting is prone to, according to her. She's, she, I love my sister. <laughs> and she's, she's probably right. But I don't know. So it's good that I have her to tell me these things. And the crocheted pieces in this book are very, very cute, too. I do actually really like the necklace. I wish... It almost makes me wish I could crochet, but I can't, so I won't. Um, maybe I'll talk my sister into doing it for me. But, so that's just a kind of a quick review. Um, I don't think that there are any felted patterns in the book, which actually I don't mind. And And, and one of the nice things about Rowan in general is that they've focus quite a lot on, on good pattern, good texture, reasonably good fit. And it's, they're not too fussy, but they're not too... They're classic without being stodgy. And that's what I like about them. And I think just about anybody could find something in this book that they like. And I also really like that they diagram all of the patterns very well. Like they draw you a little picture and show you this is how long the sleeve is, this is how long the the gown is this is how long the, the 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 neck how wide the collar should be and i really like that because if you want to change the way that things work you have to know how those different measurements work so it's kind of funny okay here's the the long version of the dressing gown is 60 and a half 
inches, five feet and half an inch. That's off of your shoulders. And I am five, three and a half inch to the top of my head. So it's very long. The shirt version is 52 inches, which is what? If 60 inches is five feet, four times is 48. So it's just about 48, 19, 11. It's almost four and a half feet, which is probably just about right for me. Although I don't think that they show the, the, the shorter version in the book, but they don't have to. It's just a shorter version. It's not a big deal. So it's, it's kind of a nice book. I think it's well worth it. Um, I picked it up in paperback. I don't know if there was a hardcover version. I doubt it. And it is about uh, a list for twenty nine ninety five, So it's kind of nice. And um, let's see, so it says on the back there are over 20 designs. And there is a, is a lot of embellishment. So if you like um, beads, buttons, and lace, then you're, you're going to like this book. Um, if you think that beads are, are fussy or something you don't want to mess with, then you probably um, might want to find something else. Although, of course, you could always work a pattern that had beads in it just without the beads. Although, of course, it would look very different. But if you like the shape of the garment, it could work really well. So it's just it's just nice. Um, and of course, if you're if you're looking at trying to use Rowan yarns, or you got some in your stash, or you had if you uh, acquired some on sale, or you just really like Rowan yarns, this is definitely the book for you because it's top to bottom uh, different Rowan yarns. Um, one of the things I really like is the hanger cover, and, and I think people kind of make fun of crocheted or knitted hanger covers, but I think that they're, they're just fantastic. Um, they're a real finishing touch for a gift. I gave someone a baby, uh, some baby sweaters once for her first child, and I, I'm sorry if I was too far from the mic there, but I also, I went and picked up some little covered, um, hangers at a uh, thrift store actually and it she just loved it she ended actually she ended up when the baby outgrew the sweater she hung the sweater on the little padded hanger on her wall and I thought that was just the coolest thing it was such a compliment that she thought it was so cute that she would actually use it as a decoration when the baby couldn't wear it anymore so that was kind of fun so okay there's the book and okay, I got a comment, or I think it was an email this week. Let me look so I can tell you. Oh, as usual, I I always like okay, this week I'm going to be really prepared, and then I just do it, and then I'm like, oh, I wasn't prepared. But I think it's still better if I just if I do it than if I don't do it. Okay. Hmm. I don't know what I did with that. with that, where that is. I think it's a comment. Looking to see if it was an email. Oh, also, someone told me this week that I stopped telling them what the show's website was, which might be why my comments are so low. <laughs> um, it's math for knitters That's math for the number four, knitters.blogspot.com. And I cannot find this. But anyway, this woman emailed me or commented or something, and I wish I could find it so I could say her name. I feel like a jerk. Um, <laughs> but um, she uh, said that she had tried to make one of the seamless shoulder shapings that I had used for my blue sweaters, and that it just didn't work. 
And so she got, she tore it back and ended up doing something else. And she wanted to know if I had any tips or tricks for making that work. Well, see, the thing about Elizabeth Zimmerman is she really wants you to think for yourself and do your own arithmetic. And that's great because it makes the pattern so flexible. It means you can basically do most of her patterns with any yarn you like, you know, in any stitch pattern you like, any way you like. And it also makes them easier to adjust. So it's great for all those things. The bad thing is it is easy to get yourself mixed up. And so I take and keep copious notes when I'm working on her patterns. Even um, the baby surprise jacket, I just did two of those. Even for that, like when she says things like when you get to half of the stitches or when you've done this many decreases, I actually write down either how many stitches total I should have on the needles for each step or how many stitches I should have up to the first marker because that that's so much easier for me than even though it's garter stitch I still have a hard time really keeping track of how many rows I've done and and what I'm up to and what point I'm to in the pattern or sometimes she'll say instead of saying after this many rows she says after this many decreases or even when you have these this number of stitches and that doesn't always work for me because I don't want to count out 148 stitches to figure out where I am in the sweater. And so I'll figure out how many ridges I would have from a certain point or how, once again, how many stitches I should have up to the first marker. And I just write it all down and I, I have really careful notes. And that's another good reason to have a notebook in your knitting bag so that you can, you know, keep track of what you did. And that way, if it works... You can say, yeah, this worked, and you can draw a big circle around it and say, this is how I should do this. Or if it doesn't work, you can say, well, next time I'm going to try five fewer rows, or I'm going to try faster decreases, or I'm going to try something else until I get it right. And it's actually a habit that I developed um, when I used to work in the darkroom, which I don't have to do anymore. But I always kept lots of notes because otherwise, if I wanted to reproduce the way I had printed a particular photograph, if I hadn't kept notes, I'd have to start all over again. And if anyone has ever done a lot of dodging and burning and cropping and other things in a darkroom, they know how much easier that is if you know what you did last time. And I don't have a great memory, and so I just had to write everything down. So I, I hope that that helps, um, whoever you were. And thank you so much for the question. I really, it means a lot to me to hear from people that something that I told them worked out for them or, oh, you know, maybe it's still in my inbox. I'm sorry. I just, just remembered where it might still be. Uh, let me look. La la la. La 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 la. So, uh, how's Kim? Ah, it was Jacqueline Boyle. I hope I said her name right. And I'll, yeah, it was great. She sent me this great email that made me so happy where she talked about how she did the waist shaping that I told her about um, in her sweater. And it just looks so nice. And she said, it came out so beautifully and perfectly situated at my waist. I'm shocked. It makes such a huge difference in the stylishness of the sweater. So a million thanks for that. I'll never make a sweater without waist shaping again. <laughs> and that is just the highest compliment that I could ever imagine. And I, I made me, it just made my day, Jacqueline. And I'm sorry that I couldn't find your name <laughs> a few minutes ago. But um, basically, in order for my, that's my trick for Elizabeth Zimmerman, is, is you want to keep really good notes. Also so that, I mean, if you find... A modification that you like, like if, if you like a deeper armhole than, than she did, or you like a shorter sleeve. I have very 
short arms and so I tend to make my sleeves a little shorter um, then you want to keep track of what you've done so that you can if you like the way the sweater turned out you can redo it again without starting from scratch or if you don't like it you can use that as a starting point for either your next sweater or for the do-over on that sweater so I think that's really fun I'm actually planning a new sweater um, from uh, knitting from the top I'm going to try to do a set in sleeve look from the top so I think that's good with with an with a pattern with an actual uh, stitch pattern called uh, dragon I think it's called dragon skin it's from Barbara Walker's second treasury and I have this gray wool and I'm gonna I think I think it's gonna be really fun but we'll see if I drive myself nuts <laughs> trying to make the decreases because it's the pattern I'm sorry I keep burping the pattern um basically depends on increases and decreases around central two central knit stitches on and it's all stuck in it in order to make these really gorgeous overlapping scales and I actually when I made my sister's wedding afghan I actually made two of the panels were in this pattern and I just remember it was just a real pleasure to make it looks gorgeous and every other row is just pearl and I'm actually going to make it a cardigan and I, I I don't know I still haven't quite decided if I'm going to steak it I haven't decided because when I did the swatch I put a moss stitch edging on it to keep it from curling and I just really liked the way that that looked and I just don't see the point of picking up stitches on the if, after I cut a steak for the center if I had to pick up those stitches and then do moss stitch in the other direction I don't know I don't know if I would like the look of it as much I mean it's very subtle obviously the difference between moss stitch one way or the other way but I just I don't know I think I might just really knit it back and forth I think trying to figure out the shoulder shaping with the pattern and everything without worrying about sticking is gonna because I mean especially since I'm going from the top I won't have anything to stick for the sleeves it would really just be a center stick down the front and it just I don't see it I don't see it I don't think I'll do it that way so anyway um <laughs> my little musing <laughs> um I hope I hope you guys like that because I'm I'm doing more of it lately um I also want to talk today just a little bit. I didn't mention this in the notes, but I was talking to a friend of mine a few weeks ago and I was explaining that knitting is so good for me and that it, you know, the usual things you hear that it calms you down and it gives you, you know, either a place to focus or a place to get away or, you know, it does for you whatever you need it to do, but it does something else for me too it also has really given me more confidence in my ability to do large tasks. I, I just finished the Icarus shawl for my sister and it took me a little bit longer than I thought and it was a little harder than I thought, but I just did it. And I, and I know as a lace project, it's not the most complex one and I'm sure it's not even the most complex one that I will do this year because I have plans. But it was a big step for me. It was the first actual lace weight yarn I'd ever bought. Um, and it's gorgeous. I'm really pleased with how it came out. 
my sister's really I, I emailed her a photo of it when I first locked it out and she freaked she called me and she was so excited and you know so it did all those things for me but also I'm actually for the first time in a long long time I'm single and every day I have a new reason why it's a good thing but I also have never been completely responsible for my own maintenance I've you know I cook I clean but I've never actually fixed anything around the house ever <laughs> I've never painted a wall I've, I've never done any of that stuff and you know I'm not I'm not very old and this is only my second house and my first house was a new build so there wasn't that much to do but the house I have now is over 40 years old, which is not bad, and it's in good condition. But there are little things, lots of, lots of little things that just need doing. Um, there are nail pops in the bedroom that I, I need to fix. I'm taking the wallpaper border off of the top of the wall. I need to paint that room. And also, here's a weird little thing. A lot of the... Uh, outlets in the house and a lot of the light switches the plates around the the switches and the outlets themselves are fine but the plates around them are 40 years old and plastic and they're cracking the one in the bathroom half of it fell off it was just gone and i had never seen that before i didn't really know that could happen and <laughs> It was just gone, and every every morning, I don't use a hairdryer or anything, but every morning when I got up in the morning and went to turn the light on, and it was this ugly thing looking at me, and it just looked so horrible and messy, and I just hated it every day. And finally, I went and got a book about fixing this kind of stuff, and I went to Home Depot, and I spent a fair amount of money, although the cost for the sexual repair is very, very low. I mean, these plates cost like a dollar a piece. They're not a big deal. So I got a new plate and I got a new socket and I got my long nose pliers out that I have had all this time because my aunt told me to buy some and I hadn't used them for anything. I found my screwdriver and um, I went and bought a circuit tester so that I could tell if the, if the wires were hot and I fixed it. I, I pulled out the old one and I, and I wired up the new one. And I stuck it back on the wall and I screwed everything in and lo and behold, it looks fantastic and it works. And I'm very, very proud of myself. And when I think <laughs> about how many outlets I have in this house, like now I want to replace them all. <laughs> and they come 10 to a box and I'm, I'm, well, maybe there are bigger boxes than that, but I bought 10. Um, if I thought, if I think about it and I think, okay, this is what I have to do to the bedroom. This is what I I want to paint the guest bedroom too, but I probably won't because it's just the guest bedroom. I have to completely tear out the bathroom and redo that, although I'm going to get some help for that because I don't think I could do that myself. I need to finish some stuff in the basement. And there's a wall in the dining room that I really want to paint red. I really, I really want to paint this thing red. It's going to be red. It will be red. But if I think about it as a whole project at once, it freaks me out. And I think I can't possibly do any of it. And I go sit on the couch and I watch TV and I knit. <laughs> but what knitting has taught me is that I don't have to do it all at once. I can take off a foot 
of the wallpaper this week and a foot next week and eventually I'll be done. It will take a while, but I can do it. And knitting is what gave me that. It's it's funny. I have a I have a degree in physics. I have an undergraduate degree in physics. I just got a master's degree in visual communication. I am a smart chick, you know. I'm a professional woman. And today I fixed something in my house. Something serious. Something where you know, I I could have hurt myself. <laughs> and and I and it worked and I'm I'm really proud. And I don't know if I would have the confidence to change my environment if I ha if I didn't knit, if I weren't already used to doing things with my hands. Even something like knitting, which seems so different from wood shop or mechanics or whatever people do that gets their hands dirty. I'm just you know, it's it's a it's it's really freeing and it and it feels really nice. And I also got some great advice from my grandfather or my I'm sorry, from my godfather when I was talking about this all the stuff I have to do. He said, Well, you'll do it and then you'll feel really smart <laughs> And he was right. So there's my little ramble about knitting and confidence and all the crap I have to do around my house. <laughs> But I, I honestly do think that being a knitter has made me a more confident person. That I now believe in a way that I have never really believed before. That I can do it. You know, I can do the things. that If I decide to do something and I get the proper tools and I read a little bit about it, then there's nothing that can stop me. And um, that's good. That's a good thing. And... A big part of that also is uh, my audience and my knitting group and everyone out there who does those things, who looks at some really complicated pattern and says, you know what, I want that garment or I want that experience of making that garment and I'm going to do it. And I don't care if it takes me three months. I don't care if it takes me a year. I'm going to do it. And that's a good thing. So... Okay, that's my uh, rant and my ramble and my mumbling for this week. I hope uh, it was clear enough and you got something out of it. Once again, the show's website is www.math4knitters. That's the letter four, the number four. Yeah, I tell you how smart I am and then I can't tell a letter from a number. <laughs> .blogspot.com So, yeah, uh, hopefully uh, see you guys next week. Bye-bye.